I'd like to welcome everyone who's joining us via our live stream. This is only one part of our service here at uh, City Temple and Chelsea Community Church, where we happen to be meeting right now. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the whole thing, just drop us an email, uh, and we'll give you the Zoom details, or you can come and join us here at Chelsea Community Church uh, on Edith Grove, uh, right in Chelsea. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. That must be one of my favorite passages. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10. And before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. I thank you that this is your word to us, your people. I thank you that it carries your authority. And I pray, Father God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak into our hearts and our minds according to your word. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me so I could bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We pick up in Ephesians chapter 2 with the first verse. Paul's writing here and he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this faith is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, we've started a journey together. And uh, I talked about that the last ser service we had at City Temple a couple of weeks ago. And I said for us at City Temple, the journey that we were on was uh, a twofold journey, and part of it was a round-trip journey, kind of like Moses made from Mount Horeb to Mount Horeb. He went through a lot of stuff in between, but he, he made the round trip. And for us at City Temple, eventually, God will bring us back to that mountain there in the city of London, and we look forward to that day. Uh, but uh, for now, we're on a journey. And also, we said that that journey is also a one-way journey, uh, a one-way journey to the cross. Because whenever you go on any journey with the Lord, as you live your life, you have to embrace the cross. And every journey that we have with Jesus involves the cross. It involves laying down our lives daily, denying ourselves, taking up the cross, and following Jesus. And we have had to do that 
as City Temple, and certainly the Chelsea Community Church is, is having to do that and is doing that. And so we have to embrace the cross. And then last week, I talked about how this journey that we're on is going to involve God's action on our behalf of bringing uh, restoration, revival, and resurrection life. And so we should expect that. We should expect all three things to begin to happen in our lives in the coming weeks and months and year or two years or whatever it is that God has us on. Restoration, revival, and resurrection life. And we're going to experience this, this journey. But I think the journey also involves something else. The journey that we're on together now involves doing the things that God wants us to do together. You know, the Christian life is not just about sitting back and enjoying the blessing, but it's also about fulfilling the mission and calling that God has us on. And so I want to talk about that today and how we do that. The journey that we have ahead in the words of Paul requires that we walk in the good works which God has crafted, uh, for which God has crafted us and recreated us in Christ Jesus. That's the journey. That's the journey. Because we have been saved with a purpose. And the purpose is not just, sorry, I, I do this to myself. Because whenever I say the word purpose, I also think of the word porpoise. And so we've not been saved with a porpoise, like a dolphin, you know, but we've been saved with a purpose. And the purpose is not just so that we'll all go sit on a cloud somewhere and strum a harp. We have a purpose from God in this world, and that purpose is to walk in good works. That's our purpose. And it's our purpose individually as well as corporately to walk in good works that God has prepared for us. And that's what Paul says there in Ephesians chapter, 10, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship. Paul is saying here that God has crafted each and every one of us for good works. You know, sometimes Christians think, oh, I wish I could be like so-and-so, or I wish I was more like this person. But actually, God's created you to be the person that you are. And God has created you with intentionality. That word workmanship or craftsmanship means an intentionality, a care that God has put in your life. So you are God's craftsmanship. You are God's workmanship. But when Paul says that, we need to understand he's not just talking about us individually. When he says you are God's workmanship, he's saying y'all are God's workmanship. You guys are God's workmanship. It's plural. And there is never a time in our lives as Christians where it's just me. There's always a we that's involved in our walk with Jesus. And Paul tells us here that not only are we our God's craftsmanship, that we've been created in Christ Jesus. 
In other words, we are established and built on a foundation of Jesus Christ. The idea of being created is the idea like building a house, building a stable structure. And Paul's talking about the church, but he's also talking about us individually. So the Lord has worked in us. We've been recreated in Jesus Christ to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ so that we will have stability for the purpose of doing the good works. And not only has God designed us individually and corporately, and not only has God created us in Christ Jesus, built us, established us on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but God also prepared and specially designed the good works in advance. So when God created you, he prepared good works. He designed these good works for you to do. Now, what does that mean? It's really good news because that means you can't fail. That means that Satan can't take it away from you. That means that your, your husband or your wife can't take it away from you or the government can't take it away from you or COVID can't take it away from you or any of these things because God has designed you for good works that he's prepared for you to do so that you can succeed in these works that God has designed you for. Doesn't mean you always succeed in them, but it does mean you always can succeed. It means that God hasn't created you for ultimate failure. Now, by the way, you will fail from time to time. We all do because we're human beings. And sometimes we learn by failing. But so many people I talk to, they feel like a failure. Oh, my life's worthless. I've really messed things up. I'm a complete failure. And don't believe it. That's the demons. That's Satan. That's not God. Because God created you to succeed in the good works for which he's designed you and prepared you. Now, sometimes we fail because we try to do somebody else's good works. And that doesn't quite work. But understand that that's what God has for you. And as I said, he's designed this, these works for you individually, but for us corporately as well. And so the works that God has for you individually are to be carried out in the context of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ then reaches out into the world. It's not about creating a club, a Jesus club. It's about us going out into the world and living for Jesus and doing the good works that God has prepared for us. And these good works, by the way, are not just churchy kinds of things. They're, they're, they're what you do at business. It's what you do in the workplace. I mean, we have so many tremendously gifted people connected with City Temple who are gifted in the, in the, in the workplace, they're gifted in business, and that's part of the good works that God has prepared for us to do. Because God wants us to succeed in business. He wants us to be agents of transformation in the culture around us. And we do that by engaging in the marketplace wherever God has placed us. But the thing to understand 
about these good works is that we're called to walk in these good works, but also to walk into these good works. Now let me explain that a little bit. Now, by walking, walking in the Bible is also always a uh, metaphor for how you live. You know, so walking with Jesus, living with Jesus, okay? So if you're walking in good works, that means that every day as you live, you do the good works that God has set for you to do. Every day, we should be looking for, hey, well, okay, God, what's the good works that I'm doing today? What's the assignment today that you've prepared in advance for me to do? The thing is that God almost never tells you in advance what those good works are. He almost never tells you in advance what's going to happen. In fact, sometimes he doesn't tell you because he knows that if you knew how challenging it would be, you wouldn't do it, you'd run away. I know that for me, you know, if God had told me what I'd gone through in the last 20 years of living in London, I probably would have said, you know, I'd just stay in the States, you know. I don't necessarily think I want to do that. But God has designed us. He's prepared for us. So if you want to know what the good works are, you got to walk into them as well as walk in them. In other words, you got to live for Jesus and orient your life on Jesus Christ on a day-by-day basis. And as you live your life, as you get up in the morning and you go to work or you go to school or you go wherever you go, as you get up, as you go about your business, living for Jesus, you'll walk into those good works. You'll discover what they are as you are living. And so we got to live it out. So this journey that we're on is to walk in God's good works for us together. And the great thing about this is that we don't do this in our own strength. We don't do this of our own volition. Too many times we think it's all about my work, it's all about what I do, it's all about my effort. It's not. It's really all about our obedience, quite frankly. And Paul tells us in this passage how God has empowered our walk in these good works. And God empowers this walk on a day-by-day basis. And let's look at a few things. God empowers this walk into good works, verses 8 and 9, because God has saved us by grace through faith that God has given us and not by our works. We're not saved by our works. And that's good news because that means you can mess up. You can fail on a, on a temporal basis. And God doesn't abandon you because he saved you by his grace, by his undeserved kindness. And he saved you by faith, which he's given you so that you can live for Jesus. And none of this is by your works. And that's really good news. By the way, if you're not saved by grace through faith, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then you need to do that because otherwise forget the good works and forget walking into anything because this is, this is the foundation. But he doesn't stop there. You look at verse 4. 
Verse 4 tells us that God loved us with a great love because of his mercy and despite our trespasses and our messed up lives. So often, all we can see about ourselves is what's wrong. And we focus so much, we spend so much time on what's wrong. You know, I don't look good today. My hair is kind of messy. Uh, Whatever it is, you know, we focus on what's wrong. But you know, God doesn't. Even though we had intentionally sinned against God, God loved us with a great love and showed us his mercy so that he saved us. And if God is going to save us that way, please understand God is going to keep us that way as well. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to walk away from us there. And then verse 5. Not only has God loved us with a great love, but God made us alive together with Christ. So when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, comes and renews our spirit, makes us alive in Jesus Christ so that we receive the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So through the cross and resurrection of Jesus, by God's grace, through faith, we have life in us, a life that is eternal, but a life that begins now so that we can live and walk in those good works. And not only has God done that, you look at verse 6, God raised us with Christ and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. That means that God has given us a spiritual authority in Jesus Christ. That means that you are not a victim of the forces of the world around you. You're not a victim of the principalities and powers and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You're not a victim of what your parents did to you. You're not a victim of what your relationships have done to you. You're not a victim of your boss. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Therefore, we have a spiritual authority to live in this world, to do the good works that God has created us to do, and nobody can stop it. Nobody can keep us from doing it because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And then verse 7, was probably kind of my favorite, is that God has done all of this because God has determined that he is going to demonstrate the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward his people in Christ Jesus in the coming ages. God has an intention to demonstrate to the world the immeasurable riches of his grace. His immeasurable goodness, his immeasurable glory. And the coming ages, that's what we're living in right now. It's not talking about the coming age as in after everyone's died and we go into eternity. It's talking about the ages that we are living in right now. God is determined to use us to demonstrate the immeasurable riches of his grace. God is going to show us his grace by his kindness toward us. Kindness is demonstrated goodness. In other words, God is going to show that he is good to his people so that the world will see that God is good to his people 
not only we will see that God is good to his people. This is great news. So God has crafted you to do good works that he's prepared for you to do in advance, and he's empowered you, he's saved you, he's changed you, he's transformed you, and I would add on to all of this, he's given us his Holy Spirit living inside of us to demonstrate the day-to-day reality of everything that Paul has just told us, everything that Paul has just promised to us. This is the good news that we have on this journey that we're on together in Christ Jesus. And these are God's promises for us. God's crafted us for good works. But we'll only discover those good works as we choose to live daily for Jesus. God has crafted City Temple and Chelsea Community Church for good works. But we'll only discover that as we choose to continue daily worshiping together, fellowshipping together, serving together, supporting one another, encouraging one another. And we don't know everything that God's going to show us. We don't know the fullness of the outcome. But we do know, we do know some outlines. We do know some broad strokes, if you will, of what God has prepared for us. Federico, if we could go, do you have another slide for me? Oh, look at that. I didn't know, we didn't know if these would all work out, okay. So, yeah, so one of the passions that we've had, and I think it's a passion that represents what God wants to do in us and through us, is growing healthy disciples who are becoming healthy leaders, who are establishing healthy churches, who are reaching their communities in healthy ways. God wants us to reach London with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not against any church. And we, we, have, a, we have a policy. We do not speak against other churches. So please don't, under, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But you know what? Hillsong is not going to reach London with the gospel. Neither is HTB. They're helping. They're helping. But if Hillsong got together and say Wembley Stadium, how many people does Wembley see? 60,000? 90,000? Who knows? Okay, so if, if, uh, if Hillsong could get three services a Sunday of 60,000 people at Wembley Stadium, do you know that that would only be a very small fraction of the number of unsaved people in London? If you want to have a sense of the number of unsaved people in London, it's approximately 7.5 million. There are approximately 7.5 million people around us who are facing a Christless eternity. There are approximately 7.5 million people who do not have the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, 180,000 
out of 7.5 million. That's nice, but that's not going to reach London with the gospel. It's not going to reach the 7.5 million. It's not going to come close. And if Hillsong and HTB and Jesus House, three of the largest churches in London, combine their efforts with all their efforts combined, they're not going to reach more than a half a million people. That's still a small fraction of this number. How is the gospel going to go throughout London? The gospel is going to go throughout London when there are churches that are growing healthy disciples who are becoming healthy leaders who are establishing and reestablishing healthy churches who start to reach their communities in healthy ways. And that's a bit of, I, I keep trying to call it a mantra, but I'm not a Hindu, so it can't be a mantra. But, uh, but that has just been something that's been in my brain for quite a number of years now. We need to keep in mind the 7.5 million because that's part of our call as a group of people. Now you look at this and you say, wow, well, we're just such a small group. I mean, we're such a, a smaller fraction of these other small fractions here in this place. But how do we do this? We do this by doing the good works that God has created us to do. You know, I can't do Hillsong's good works. I can't do HTB's good works. I can't do Jesus House good works. I can only do the good works that God has crafted, created me in Christ Jesus to do. And those are the works that I have to do. And I do those in connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And hopefully after a season here at Chelsea, the Chelsea Community Church will be strong and growing and we'll go on to another church and maybe see that church get strong and growing. And our goal is to see churches like this all over London growing healthy and strong. It's not a big church because you know where the, the best spiritual formation tends to occur in churches of under 200 people. I remember quite a few years ago, we did a series of conferences at City Temple. And uh, the guy who organized these conferences, he arranged some meetings with some, some young leaders in various churches. And, and I was on a bit of a kick there uh, at that time. So I asked him all a question. I said, think of the church that has had the biggest impact on your spiritual formation as a Christian. And so they all did. And I said, how many people were in that church? And nobody in the group identified a church larger than 200 people, although almost everybody in the group was going to a church larger than 200 people. In fact, I remember one young woman saying, wow, maybe I should go someplace else. <laughs> I don't know. This is what the Lord is doing. And this is the passion. And the passion is not to get all kinds of churches that are just like City Temple or just like Chelsea Community Church because not all churches are created to do the same good works that City Temple are created to do or that Chelsea Community Church is created to do. That makes sense. That's important for us to understand because this is the journey that God has us on. And this is the journey 
that will see the gospel of Jesus Christ come to London. But it's going to take a radical reconfiguration of our minds to do the good works that God's created for us to do and not get into a mindset that we have to do the good works that Hillsong does or some other church. I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to a guy who's wanting, or a gal who's wanting to go into ministry, uh, ministry leadership like this, who's thinking, yeah, I want to build a church like Hillsong. I'm like, no, you don't want to build a church like Hillsong. You want to build the church that God's calling you to build, and I guarantee you he's not calling you to build another Hillsong. It's a radical shift. But it's part, it's an essential part of what God is doing and working in us. And God has given our churches, Chelsea Community Church, and also City Temple, certain spheres of influence. We can go to the next slide there. I love this. I, I worked hard to find this uh, online, uh, to find a map that basically represents reasonably accurately the sphere, the area of influence for Chelsea Community Church. By the way, most people who go to church in London will attend a church within one mile of their home. Two miles at most. That's 80%, by the way. 80% of people who go to church in London will go to a church within two miles of their home. That's why the Redeemed Christian Church of God as a denomination uh, has, has it as its stated purpose to plant a church within walking distance of every person in the United Kingdom. It's a great goal. It's a great goal. So this is our, this is our sphere here at Chelsea Community Church. You know, the people who are going to come to this church and become part of this church are probably going to come from within that area, more or less. But it's a really good, a really good sphere to look just above Earl's Court, over about, just beyond Stamford Bridge, maybe not quite as far east as uh, that indicates, uh, but still in all, that's kind of reasonable. And so we need to be thinking about this area and praying about this area. And it's essentially about a two-mile radius around Chelsea, but you don't go south of the Thames when you think about this because people don't normally cross the Thames. It's a wilderness down there. If you've ever been down south, it's a wilderness. So anyway, so and City Temple. City Temple also has a sphere. Uh, if you'll take the next one. And we realized this a number of years ago. Uh, the Lord showed me that our sphere is basically about a circle with about a 14-mile radius. And so that's there. Uh, the little arrow is pointing to us. By the way, go back to the other one, Federico. Uh, the little arrow there points to Chelsea, if you didn't notice that. Little arrow pointing down. That's where we are. Okay, you can go to the next one. That little arrow points to us. Uh, it was pretty amazing that a few years ago when the Lord showed me the 7.5 million within this area. So what you see on the map, there's at least 7.5 million unsaved people. By the way, that's more people than there are in Scotland. That's more people than there are in Northern Ireland or in Wales uh, or in Croatia. Uh, it's more people than are in about half of the EU nations. So just to put you in mind of how many people that 7.5 million represents. And the Lord showed me this uh, quite a number of years ago, and it was overwhelming, quite frankly. 
Because I thought, you know, how are we going to reach these people? And, and the Lord spoke and he said, Rod, I didn't show you this to show you the greatness of the task. I showed you this to show you the significance of your position. Ultimately, it's the Lord that leads people to Jesus. It's the Lord that brings conversion. It's the Lord that brings awakening. It's the Lord that brings revival. But we are called to walk in those good works. We are journeying together, walking in God's good works created for us, especially so that we see God's kingdom come. We begin where we are and we continue that journey in Jesus from here. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this encouragement. Thank you for showing us some of your will and how you're going to reach London with the good news about Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that it's not up to us, but that you've got people all over the city who are doing this thing that you've called us to do as well. Lord, this journey that we're on, I pray that you would help us to enjoy the journey together. Help us keep our eyes focused clearly on Jesus. And help us to enjoy one another along the way as brothers and sisters in Christ. You are an amazing God. And we thank you for all that you do in us and through us. And we pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's join in singing a couple of uh, closing songs of worship to the Lord. Just celebrate.